You're listening to Season 6, Episode Number 5 of Strike the Match. In this episode, I continue with the thought of the Apostolic Imagination series that I am presently doing. Today's topic, rethinking the issue of priority. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with teacher and missiologist Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. Well, hey, it is great to be back with everyone. Wow, it has been much longer than I anticipated. Uh, I usually don't take this long of a break in the midst of a season. Last episode was with Liana Davis as we talked about the uh, book that she co-authored with her grandfather, uh, David Hesselgrave. That was back on October the 3rd. So it has been some time. My family and I took a weekend and uh, actually had a long weekend shortly thereafter and went away to the Smoky Mountains. It was fantastic. Uh, Great time of the year with the leaves changing and, and just to take a break from everything and do some fantastic hiking in the um, in the mountains, and uh, had a great time. But then, as uh, with many of you, when you get away, you usually have to come home and then play catch up. And so, the equilibrium uh, was upset. And so, when I returned, I had had catch up to do. And then, it was not long after that that uh, we had one of the several hurricanes that uh, have impacted the uh, the Gulf this year. Uh, it made its way up through Alabama in the form of some seriously high winds and uh, knocked down some massive trees across our city, about three or four of which were in my subdivision. One of those, about a block away from my house, came down on power lines. And so we were out of electricity for four days, and actually an entire subdivision, except for the uh, three or four people that had generators, and man, those things were loud. You could hear those for about four days, and so uh, about four days without power, and so there you go, another setback. I think everyone in our subdivision the following morning after it all happened, or actually a couple of days after that, that it happened, uh, everyone was at Panera tapping into their Wi-Fi. And so my wife, Sarah, and I, we actually went to two different uh, Paneras uh, to grab breakfast on Friday morning uh, just so we could find an outlet uh, to recharge our um, our computers and use their Wi-Fi. So anyhow... What happened after that? Well, after that, we uh, moved into the latter part of the semester here at uh, um, at Samford, and then uh, trying to get everything completed before the Thanksgiving break, which uh, has been accomplished, was was quite a task. So a lot of grading, a lot of final assignments. On top of all of that, uh, trying to keep up with um, two book projects that I've mentioned before that I'm working on, one of which I'm talking about in this series. It's all come together and basically pushed the um, the the uh, episodes back a little bit uh, farther than I expected. Um, again, when you're the one man show, um, <laughs> it takes a long time for your uh, tech engineers and your uh, master programmers and your host and all those people to <laughs> to, to collaborate their schedules. 
to to make this happen. So anyhow, nevertheless, that's enough of my ranting and complaining. Uh, but I wanted you to be be in the know of of why the delay. It's not that I I've forgotten about you. In fact, uh, it's really interesting. I I started hearing from other people who were talking to um, listeners, <laughs> and they were communicating to me. Yeah, it's um uh, he's in the middle of a season, but right now it's uh there's a little gap in time. So so anyhow, um I'm back. So. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's talk about the uh, the issue of the day, the, the matter at hand. So, so what what's been, what's been going on? Well, for those of you that are just joining and uh, enjoying my my um, my replay of the past uh, few months, uh, basically at the beginning of season six, I, I've decided to do something a little bit differently than what I've done in the past five seasons, and that is I've wanted to spend some time talking about the apostolic imagination. It's a book that I'm working on right now that uh, should, Lord willing, have finished in about one month and have that draft sent off to the publisher for their uh, plenty of red ink that will then mark it up like crazy. (laughs) Another rant for another time. I'll get back to you all on that one. Uh, So anyhow, I've been doing this uh, this series, but I'm peppering it uh, with some other guests that that have come in, but basically, uh, back in uh, October, no, excuse me, August twenty uh, first, uh, kicked off the whole series on the whole notion of apostolic imagination, rethinking contemporary mission, and then uh, followed that with um, the uh, rethinking of the language of mission, and that was an episode on uh, September fifth, and then September nineteenth, uh, which was the the last one. Uh, on the topic before I uh, had the break and uh, brought Liana on the on the program, uh, the last one on September nineteenth was Apostolic Imagination Rethinking Functions, and I talked about uh, primary functions of uh, identity and primary functions of uh, the apostolic teams, and talked about evangelism, teaching obedience, church planning, leadership development, and the care for churches. And so, if you are just jumping into this podcast and you're you're landing with us today. I want to welcome you. I'm very thankful that you are here, uh, but I wanted to share that with you because uh, today's episode is a part of a much broader uh, narrative that I have been been running with since um, since August, and so I want to encourage you to go back and check those out. So today, the topic is the apostolic imagination rethinking uh, priority. So. Let me kind of set where I'm going, and that way you're not trying to figure me out as as I run through this uh, this episode. And maybe that'll help. It'll help sort of give you the big picture, the broad overview, and kind of go from there. So where I'm going in this episode is that I'm going to make the argument that in the New Testament there is a gravity, uh, there is a a slant, there is an, an elevation if you want to use any of those metaphors, um, when it comes to the the apostolic teams, the apostolic work. And so I would say it this way, there is, there is, a, there is a priority, there is an emphasis that is there. There are all kinds of ministries, all kinds of service, all kinds of functions and activities in body life, but the, the weight of the New Testament is clearly in the direction of a prioritization on the apostolic work of the church. 
And that's primarily being manifested in the Gospels through, obviously, Jesus and what he was modeling before the Twelve and then the Seventy-Two. And then, uh, primarily, we see that play out in the book of Acts with the apostles in Jerusalem, but even more attention given to the apostle Paul and his teams in the book of Acts and then in Paul's, Paul's epistle. Um, tied into that, tied into that concept of, of, a, of an elevation of the apostolic, there is an emphasis. There is, I will say, a priority within that priority. And that priority is that the priority of function lies in the realm of preaching the gospel or evangelism. So the evangelistic work of the church, primarily but not exclusively, primarily through the apostolic teams, is what we see in the New Testament. Um, just a side note, uh, just came to my mind. If you want to read a very good book on the topic of uh, what Paul did in his challenges, his exhortations to churches when it comes to the notion of them being evangelistic and sending out their own laborers, uh, Rob Plummer, Dr. Rob Plummer, New Testament professor at Southern Seminary, a guy that I taught with for many years. Actually, he and I were in a PhD program together. I've known Rob for good. Good time, good friend, and uh, he's he's written uh, an excellent book on that. I think it came out back in 2005, 2006, and um, basically it's on Paul's understanding of, of mission in uh, and through the local churches. And so um, I'll direct you to to his work. Just do a search for his name, and you'll you'll see the the title is slipping my mind right off. It's terrible that I can't remember it immediately. Um, I just wrote it out yesterday uh, in a in a in a chapter that I was working on. But anyhow, um, having said that, I think that there is this prioritization on the apostolic and specifically on the evangelistic work of the church. Now, why am I calling this apostolic imagination rethinking priority? And the reason is because right now, among evangelicals, primarily in the States, but I would, well, North America, but I would venture to say that this is also a global thing as well, but I want to be cautious and not and not say that I can speak for, which I don't, I'm not speaking for majority world churches, um, but, I'm, but I'm not certain about the ethos. I've, I've got some speculation that this is very commonplace throughout many majority world contexts as well, but definitely in the West, definitely in the North American context, and here it is. The And I would also say in the, the, the European, so traditionally Western context, how about that? So right now, the only priority among evangelicals when it comes to the work of the church in her, what we're calling missionary activities, missionary labors, the only priority is there is no priority. All right, let me say that again. The only priority is no priority. And so what I am arguing for is the notion of there is an apostolic priority uh, excuse me, there's an evangelistic priority, and there is this apostolic identity, an emphasis on this apostolic identity that is related to the Great Commission. So how did we get to where we are at this point in time? I want to be careful and not bore you with a with a long historical 
lesson, but but I'll I'll try I'll try to summarize some of these these thoughts, and maybe I'll give you a few quotes here from a book that I'm working on. But but here's what we've got. So historically, um, oh let's go back to the 16th century. We'll just we'll just start there. Um, so if you go back to the work, for example, of the Dutch Reformed theologian Gisbertus Vosius, I know I'm mispronouncing that last name. I have to be. V-O-E-T-I-U-S. He basically, he passed away in 1676. He basically argued that the, the first goal of mission is the conversion of the nations. So no shame on that that issue. He believed that that goal would lead to the glorification of God, which he saw as the the ultimate goal of missions, the glorification and manifestation of God's grace. Um you go farther, you go you you come come forward in history so to speak. You get to uh, Gustav Warneck in um the 19th and 20th century, died in 1910, uh, father of German missiology, first mission professor. Um, he defined missions in terms of evangelism and planting churches among unbelievers. And so, again, what was the attention? What was the priority that was, that was placed upon this thing called missions? Well, clearly in the area of, of proclamation and, um, and the birth of new churches. Um, 1933, uh, Joseph Schmidlin, or probably pronounced jo- Joseph Schmidlin, um, he was to Catholics what Varnack was to Protestants. And what he argued for was the notion of the priority on the conversion of non-Christians. Now, while the pre-Vatican II uh, mission theology emphasized evangelistic and church planning activities of the missionaries that were sent to various locations, um, that began to morph later in Roman Catholic um, mission theology. But that's that's what you have leading us into the 20th century. So again, I know I covered a lot of period of time, like 500 years or so, um, just in those few statements, but I think it's important for, for us to keep keep that perspective in mind. So what do you get? Well, in the in the 20th century, you have theologians spending a great deal of time, I think even more time than ever in church history, talking about this concept of mission. And what they walk away with is the fact that when you look at what God's purpose is, as articulated in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you are seeing Him work to bring about the redemption and restoration of all things. And therefore, this mission of His is very broad and quite diverse. I mean, he's engaged in a variety of different things and activities. And so therefore, this concept of missions, or mission, which again, to go back um, to a previous episode, you know, we don't have that language in the Old Testament and New Testament, that we, we, we find things that, that connect, we find connecting points, but the language of missions, missions, missionary, um, that is something that that is is extra biblical. It doesn't come out of of a, of a biblical exegesis. Now the concepts, the activities that are there, but what happens when we have this extra biblical language is that we can we can craft it for the most part to become 
whatever we want as far as our definition is concerned. So you have many theologians in the 20th century that begin to look at the scriptures and they say, well, wait a minute, God is involved in a great deal of things, a great deal of activities to be a part of this thing called his mission. And the church, therefore, should also be involved in a great deal of activities, actions, because she is a part of God's mission in the world. So, so what do you have? Well, you have traditionalists that want to hold to the definition of mission and missions as primarily attention given to evangelism and church planting. But then you have those that are more of the revisionists saying, well, no, it's, it's much broader than that, because look at what the scriptures have to say. And so I would say, one, when we have created this concept of mission, missions, missionary from outside the scriptures to then come to the biblical text and say, all right, where is, where's the definition for these concepts and these ideas? then the answer is yes. You see God at work in a very broad way with many activities going on. He, yes, he's about the process of redeeming people, but he's also in the process of restoring a creation that is groaning. And then when we look at the church and we begin to say, well, what is the church supposed to be doing? Well, the church is engaged and is involved in a broad variety of things that are part of God's mission in the world to bring about redemption and restoration. So you see the church engaged in fellowship activities, ministry activities, teaching. You see the church engaged in in sharing the gospel, being involved in planting churches, developing leaders. You see a whole array of activities and actions. You see Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and and other passages where he talks about there are diversity of gifts, there are diversity of, of ministries and service, and that the eye cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. And so you, it, it, the body works together. And so what happened over time is that because we did not come from the text for our understanding of concepts and ideas and, and any sort of priority or emphasis, this concept of missions morphed from being something very specific and very nuanced to something very broad. And so now we find ourselves in a time whereby the only priority is no priority. In fact, if you read, for example, uh, Chris Wright in his uh, massive work, The Mission of God, which I, I really like the book. I, I think it's a very, very good book for the most part. Uh, I've been greatly influenced by it. I read uh, Wright often, uh, cite him frequently. Um, I think uh, he's an outstanding scholar, and I think he, he has a great deal to contribute to the, to the conversation on, on mission. And so, so don't hear this as a slam on, on my part to him, but I would say that when you look at his work, what, what does he basically say? He basically says, well, there's no priority. Um, that if you talk about evangelism, you talk about church planting, um, as a priority, as an emphasis, you, you are being reductionistic. And so, therefore, um, we need to be more holistic in our approach to mission in the world. Now, what he's arguing for is is nothing new. It's it's been been around for a, a great deal of, of time. In fact, um, uh, David Hesselgrave 
uh, has written extensively on this topic. Uh, he, uh, in his book um, on, uh, on paradigms, uh, he's, he's spoken extensively on the issue of the notion of what he refers to as prioritism and holism. And, and these are things that, that were going on in the latter part of the 20th century and that continue on with us today. And uh, Chris Little has written on this. You could just Google Chris Little and you could search for something related to, to prioritism and you'll be able to find some of his work on this particular topic. So what I would say is that while there is, again, clearly an emphasis on the church being salt and light, the church established, the church planted, the church growing and developing in her context, uh, that she is to engage in a variety of activities in the issue of doing justice and caring for others and engagement in, uh, in, in holistic activities. I mean, clearly, we see that. However, there is a difference between the notion of the church established in a context and a context whereby the church is not established. And I would even say that even in the established church context, the church is to give a priority to gospel proclamation. And when I say gospel proclamation, in this episode, I'm talking about being out in the highways and hedges and sharing the gospel, uh, not just giving an evangelistic invitation at the end of a worship gathering. What do we see, for example, when we look at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6? I may have referenced this in a previous episode. Actually, I think I did. Um, But that's okay. I'm going to spend just another moment of time just drawing our attentions back to it. And that is, Acts chapter 6, I mean, the, the apostles were putting their evangelism and prayer on pause to give more time and attention to the food distribution of the Hebrew and the Hellenistic widows. And their response was that we should not um, neglect these activities that we're called to, and so find, find some people to oversee this ministry. It wasn't that they were discarding the ministry, saying that it was bad, saying that it was, was not valuable or legitimate. I mean, look at, for example, Paul's concern for the health, the welfare of the churches. I mean, even Paul's writings to, uh, to Titus, or excuse me, to Timothy, on the issue of, of widows. I mean, he, he, he's very much concerned. The apostolic imagination is very much concerned with such matters related to people's social welfare. But what do you see in Acts chapter 6? You see people put into position to oversee this food distribution. The apostles continue on, and what's fascinating is when you, when you get to verse 6 and 7 in Acts chapter 6, you find out that the gospel is now continuing to advance and spread to whereby even some of the most resistant people, that being the priests, are now coming to faith. It's almost as if the, the work was stalled out. And so, you know, Wright would say, well, the apostles were to do what they were called to do, and for them that was priority, and the seven that were to oversee the food distribution, uh, that was priority, and so therefore no priority. I would say, well, let's just look at the, the, the storyline. I mean, what does, what does Luke do in that passage? I mean, after the issue is resolved, immediately the tension is turned back to the message, the gospel preaching. And 
he doesn't turn his attention back to say, all right, well, let's take a look and see what's happened within the fellowship here in Jerusalem or with these widows. Uh, he, he draws his attention to, immediately draws his attention to the advancement of the gospel and the fact that it's now penetrating into some of the most resistant people in Jerusalem. What about the rest of the book of Acts? Well, again, it's peppered with many what we would call holistic activities that should be done and are part of our kingdom ethic. But where's the gravity? I mean, where's the, where's the weight of the storyline throughout the book of Acts? Take a look at Paul's writings, for example. Where's the gravity? Where's the storyline? As I talked in, in the previous episode on September the 19th, one of the apostolic functions is the care for churches. That is a part of the apostolic imagination. And to say, I'm only concerned about evangelism and planting churches and then moving on, uh, that, is, that, is, that is wrong, that is completely inappropriate, and that is not the apostolic imagination at play. So Paul is very much concerned with the, the health of the churches. I mean, look, look at his writings of when he refers to, you know, how he is, he's, um, he's heavily burdened. Uh, as a result of, in his writings to, to, to the church in Corinth and uh, 2 Corinthians, how he's heavily burdened for the welfare of the churches. I mean, it's very much a part of that which weighs on the apostolic mind. But even though there is that affection for the churches, there's still clearly, in Paul's writings, this notion of prioritization, this notion of an emphasis on the apostolic task and gospel proclamation. And I would say that's not just because it's what Paul's supposed to do. I would say that you see very much an emphasis of gravity in Acts, in Paul's writings, um, the Gospels. I mean, Jesus heals a great deal of people. He does a great deal of miracles. He does a great deal of things that would, would touch us on the social uh, justice issues, though that's questionable and up for debate. Um, for another podcast, another episode. But clearly he's concerned about people's welfare. But, for example, go back to, to read it from it. Read his, read his message. What message there? Brief message. In the synagogue in Luke chapter 4. I mean, he, he quotes from the book of Isaiah. And, and notice the number of times that the word proclamation or preaching or to declare is used in that text. I mean, so often that text is used to say, well, look at all these holistic issues that Jesus has come to, to lead the charge against. And again, I'm not saying that he didn't, but uh, what's the exegetical, exegetical evidence? The ex evidence is based on communication and proclamation to declare release from captivity. Um, yeah, declaration is different than leading a protest. So again, there's a place for protest. Uh, it's not the point in this episode. So what do you see? Jesus saying, hey, why is the reason, why have I come? I need to go into these other communities to preach the gospel. And, and so I, I, I think that the argument is very strongly in favor of the gravity, the weight of the apostolic model, example that we see manifested in the narratives and in the epistles in the New Testament is clearly on the area of the apostolic work having a high priority placed upon preaching the gospel, doing evangelism. So let me make a few more comments before I kind of wrap this up, and that is to kind of 
to kind of address this issue of, well, how, how, how do things shift on the field, so to speak? And that is, when things become more complex, more organized, more structured after churches are planted, then what we see, and I know you've heard me say this before, you've maybe read this uh, in some other writings on my blog, things move out of an emphasis, or from, excuse me, from an emphasis on the apostolic work, they move in the direction of more of an, an, of an emphasis on the pastoral work. Now, you know, this is a pastor teacher speaking to you on this topic, so I'm clearly not opposed to this. Um, when the church is established, the, the activity, the need for the apostolic becomes less and less, the need for the pastoral becomes more and more. And that's, that's, that's what it's supposed to be. That's how we see it in the scriptures. However, rather than thinking about the apostolic work, meaning that the teams then move on to a new location to preach the gospel where a foundation has not been laid, in the Romans 15 kind of sense, what often happens on the field is that missionaries are continued or continually sent into those contexts, and they're called missionaries, but the need for the apostolic work has, has diminished, and so therefore what you see is the engagement more and more in the area of pastoral activities by individuals that we are referring to as missionaries, activities that should be taken more and more on by the people themselves that have come to faith in these new, in these new churches. So what happens? Well, the language of missionary activity continues in that context, but a new definition is applied to what we're calling missionary activity. Um, Alan R. Johnson, the Assemblies of God, uh, makes this important statement. It actually shows up in his book entitled Apostolic Function in the 21st Century. He, he, he makes a statement. He says, um, missionaries that were basically being sent out from the West after 1970 uh, he says they were confronted with a new situation, and that is national church movements that were increasingly large, robust, and powerful. Uh, they no longer needed missionaries to be involved in evangelism, church planting, and even first-tier Bible training. Um, missionaries then became advanced education specialists, managed and helped finance various institutions. They became conduits to connect short-term teams from the West they supervised various construction efforts and worked in various forms of media and communications. And so what really began as pioneer labors, pioneer activities, developed into complex organization. And what we see is, obviously, the need for the pastoral to develop. But we don't change the terms. We keep calling these people missionaries, doing pastoral work that the nationals should be doing themselves. And so that's another factor that has, I think, been involved in this process. Now, I know this last thought that I've thrown out to you, just kind of kind of out of left field. And you know, to some degree, you know, in these, these episodes, I, I'm, I kind of uh, ramble at times. There's, there's just so much. There's just so much that needs to be discussed and talked about, and yet the episode uh, needs to be within a, a certain time limit. So I want to leave you with this thought today, and that is, your your thoughts on on this concept of the issue of priority. So, what 
what if mission has has become very broad in its definition and understanding, and therefore missions very broad and very understanding um, as well? Um, if that is indeed the case, then do you believe, do you think that there is a priority that we see in the scriptures? Uh, not again, not neglecting other important activities, but is there a priority on the apostolic work and within that, especially on the evangelistic work that is there? So much so that this is not something that is the apostles, the apostolic teams are off on their own, doing their own things as an independent structure separated from the established church. And that is a whole nother podcast to talk about. I talk about that in my in my book. But that the apostolic teams are very much a part of the universal body of Christ and are very much connected to local churches, whether that is Paul and his team being sent out from Acts, whether that is the Jerusalem apostles connected to the Jerusalem church, whether that is someone like an Epaphroditus um, who uh, is there in Asia Minor serving and others that are seen as apostles of the other churches. Um, there's very much this notion of the apostolic teams connected to the local church, and, and so this work of the apostolic work is a, is a whole body-life issue, a body-life concern. And I would just ask you to think about, is there an issue that we see on the issue of priority in the Scriptures? Well, hey, a lot more that we could talk about on this topic, a lot more that could be said, a lot more that could be written. Uh, I hope this podcast has been of some assistance to you in your thinking. I hope I've challenged you to think uh, maybe a little differently in some ways. And uh, hey, just want to encourage you to share this with others in your circles of influence. Uh, get the conversation going. Um, enter into some discussions. Uh, iron sharpening iron is very much an important part of who we are as followers of Christ. So until next time, take care. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Day. You can find J.D. on Instagram, Facebook, or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite Android app or at iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.